The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Don't try and etch it or permanently sketch it or you're going to catch a bad, bad cold. The Red Star ladies continue their perfect start of the season with a 1-0 win over a dogged Perth soccer club while the lads hit 1, 2, 3, 4. Past Bayswater City and their continued march to be crowned Kings of the North. All that and more on this week's Perth Football Podcast. Lucky 13 for some and unlucky 13 for others. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Perth Football Podcast. Do not adjust your headsets. This isn't Sean Fry. Sadly, Fry at Tuck's at home recovering from the spicy cough. We would wish him well, but he's told us that he's fully fit and his banter in the group chat kind of confirms this. He just needs to get the Australian government on side. I'm joined in the studio. Well, before I say I'm joined in the studio, I'm Kalichio Sunwa, producer Cal, and I'm joined in the studio with the delightful Tommy Dolman. Good evening, Kalichi. How are you? I'm terrific, mate. You, you well? Yeah, can't complain. It's a Monday. Got some cup football coming up. Plenty of work Happy to days. do. Plenty of work to do. Right next to, to his left, is the charming Josh Chayat. How are you doing, Kalichi Osunwa? Terrific, Josh, except for that bloody shirt you're wearing. And in front of him, next to me, is the noble, I would call him Casanova, it's the noble Alex Novatsis. How are you, mate? You well? Kalichi, great, gents. Evening, how are things going? It's been a while since we've had you. but been, Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, for reasons... Uh, not needed, but um, yeah, it's been good and uh, good to be back. Perfect. Well, going off the theme of numbers, fellas, what are your lucky numbers? Uh, I'll go for 13. That was the number I played. That made my debut and it just stuck with me. You stuck with 13? 13, yeah, 13. Yeah. Was it a good debut? Yeah, it was good, actually. It's just funny because I came through the reserves that day playing left back against free. I think it was back then it was Fremantle City with Florit Reserves and I scored a hat-trick from left back in the first half. Stop. Got dragged. and then, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. And got dragged. No penalties. Yeah, well, to sit on the bench for the first team. Ah, okay. And then came on uh, at 5-0 down. Um, scored a hat-trick again? No, nah, I wish. 1-6-5. Yeah. I, think, I, think, yeah, I think I touched it twice. No, and it sort of, yeah, kept that. The coach then was uh, Eric Williams and um, kept that number all the way through after that. Perfect. How, how old were you at the time? Uh, just gone 15. Just gone 50. Just gone 50. Hat trick from left back at 50 yeah. in the reserves. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was good. Yeah. What a day. Tommy, your number? Four. Not as exciting. DOB. Date of birth. Date of birth. Nice. Josh, Nothing, your mate. number? No, nothing's happened since since then. No, just if you've got a good number, stick with it, Josh. Uh, mine's three, and it, it's not that exciting a story, but I, I was a massive Chris Grant fan, being a, being a Western Bulldogs fan growing up. I was the only... Who's Chris Grant? Yeah, he's, you have asked me that. Chess, like, chess I, I think I've told you that before, and you've asked me that. You know, he's Chris uh, Grant. Yeah. Famous, famous AFL footballer. Uh, me, me, me and Tommy. And every every time you tell me this, I say the same thing. I say, Chris Grant could walk into this room and punch me in the back of the head, and I'd be like, why is the stranger punching me? That, that could be a lot of it. You say that every about time. a lot of people. You say that about so many people. Called every time. Uh, my number, I've got quite a few. I used to play out on the right wing, so I was number seven for ages. And then I got slow and fat, and now it's number two. But when I came back from not playing football, it was number 45. Uh, number. Yeah, not, bad. not because of Balotelli, but because, you know, Michael Jordan came back yeah, from retirement. He's but done a wink, wink, wink. When, when, uh, anyway. When in the four or five. Anyway. Just to play games with you. 
It ain't to aim at you. Um, well, it is to aim at you. Anyway, let's start with the MPL, where we have new league leaders following the top-of-the-table clash where first met second at Red Star Arena. Tommy, you did the report for the game. Nova, you were there as well. So, gents, what did we see? I think yeah, at Red Star, they're dangerous. And I think even though they're top-of-the-table, they're still looked at as if they're, they're not deserve it of where they are and, and for me to be 4-0 up at half time against Bayswater City who you know were, were the talk of the town at the time just showed how dangerous they actually are uh, midfield strong uh, up front with Daryl your mate um, just continually just scoring for fun they just look dangerous absolutely dangerous the whole way through in the second half obviously you know it's a different story but at 4-0 half time very rare you see that when you say they look dangerous like it was a bit of a shock looking through the results at half time and seeing what the scoreline was so what did you kind of notice in that match I, th- I think they're, they're attacking prowess how quickly they can turn uh, on the ball and and, th- and and just killer passes they're, they're just continually we're, we're making holes at Bayswater and I haven't seen Bayswater cop four in a half like that for a long long time it's probably, probably when I was playing there was the last time that would have happened that was five Statement win, wasn't it, really, yeah. um, to come out there with the firepower that they've got and, and deliver in a top-of-the-table clash like that really announces them as, as the team to beat now, for me, in my opinion. When you've got Daryl Nichols scoring goals as he is, uh, Liam Murray's come into that team early in the campaign. He's gelling really nicely with, with Chalk Door and, and he's linking up really nicely with Sam Pollard, who plays down the left. Um, they've just got a really a nicely balanced midfield. We've spoken about it on the pod before with Declan Hughes, with Tom Hoff and with Andy Higgins. You've got basically a little bit of everything in there. And yeah, the, I, I just think they're the team to beat. I think there was one of those, obviously Kenny Lowe's uh, departed the club to go back to the glory. Perhaps we were sort of wondering whether they'd be a little bit of a hiccup there. They mm. obviously had that defeat to Coburn a couple of weeks ago. Um, but they've hit back pretty well since then. And, and yeah, they've got the lead at the top of the league and they've got a game in hand onto those b- behind them as well. Yeah, and they game in hands against Perth as well, who had a good result on the weekend, but, but they've been struggling in general in the league. So Perth Redside be pretty confident and the teams around them would be pretty nervous that that's a, a conversion for them. I don't think that that might necessarily be a conversion because Perth's defence is the best defence in the league. Yeah. So they don't, they don't usually concede a whole lot and... I mean, if you look at their game the week before against Florida, they were pretty hard done by there. They go and they win 3-0 this week. It'd be interesting to see. And now, my, my, again, I, I tipped Bayswater to win the league. Um, they've also got a big cup game coming up this 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 week, this midweek. So maybe they had one eye there. But I'm, I'm kind of like taken aback. Is, is it just because of, was it an, a, a case of them being outfought? Was it a case of, of just... Um, Perth being super clinical. We also know that styles make fights and sometimes like Bayswater are a very good counter-attacking side and not necessarily the best possession-based team in terms of how they create and how they score goals. So did any of that have anything to do with in terms of what you saw? Super clinical. Yeah, just accurate, deadly. Uh, Daryl's movement was incredible. Uh, and, and he's one of those players where you don't see the whole time, but when he makes some movement, he, he, he's dangerous. And, yeah. and that's exactly what it was. They put on a clinic, absolute clinic. To, to Nova's point as well, they tend to score goals in bunches. Um, that when they do score multiple goals, as we saw on the weekend, they, they piled on four in the first half. Um, they were 2-1 down to Sorrento um, early in the first half a few weeks ago, scored three second half goals in about 15 to 20 minutes. So when they do get on a roll, they're pretty hard to stop. And, and with all those weapons as well, you might shift on, your attentions onto another attacker. And then the other one, another player in that front three is there to sort of capitalise. So, yeah, statement win for them. Uh, big game, not this weekend, the weekend after. Red Star at home to Florida. I think that one might tell us 
uh, who wins the title if Red Star do win that game. Oh, that was, that was, that's a pretty spicy game um, to look forward to. Now, going back to, you mentioned earlier about Perth. Um, we were all at Dorian Gardens to see the Dylan Tombides trophy. Um, shout out to Donna and the DT38 Foundation, where Hassani Sinclair grabbed the hat trick to give Perth the win. Again, I said it earlier, they've quietly got the best defense in the league. It was 3-0. Josh, what did, what did you see from the game? Uh, it was an interesting game because I think Sterling had a lot of possession of the ball. Perth played that really narrow diamond midfield that they've been playing for a lot of the season. And uh, that's brought some of the center midfielders in a sort of outside right, outside the left players. So I think oh, inside right, inside left players. So I think Josh Callas done that. He's sort of gone from center midfield to being sort of on the right side of the diamond. He set up the first goal from the corner. was a well-taken header from Hassani Sinclair, but really disorganized defending at the corner as well from Sterling Macedonia. They won't be very happy with the way uh, they did that. And in fact, all three goals they conceded were really avoidable. And uh, one was a long ball. The goalkeeper came, didn't get there. Uh, another one was, um, it was Yankolovsky uh, got robbed of the ball 12 seconds into the, the second half when they were down 1-0. Bit of a disaster start to the second half. That's the um, team talk just right out the window, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's obliterated. Um, it, it's just it's obliterated their hopes of sort of getting back into the game. They had a, a Sterling had a pretty decent penalty shout in the first half. I thought um, really, really, really tight in the first half. But you know, the second half, you got to that last fifteen minutes of the game, and Sterling were just out on their legs. They were going forward. They had numbers forward. Every time they went forward, it just created space at the back for Shabmakala and Hassani Sinclair and Zivkovic uh, as well to get a few more chances. I mean, it, it really could have been four or five to Perth by the end of that game. That had been their problem earlier in the season, is, um, especially against Armadale, where they had a lot of the ball around that defensive midfield position and they weren't quite getting the ball to Zamorino or to Armakala to then put the through balls in. So did they have a little bit more luck doing that in this game? Yeah, and I think early in the season they were trying to go with um, a standard four three three, and the wide players they had out there just weren't, weren't staying wide, weren't actually giving them width. Uh, and I know we spoke to to Mark after that Sorrento game when they had all sorts of trouble breaking Sorrento down, who themselves play a, a really narrow formation, uh, and he was just saying, you know, we just we just don't have the wide players out there. So they've obviously worked on changing the the structure. Um, rather than go with the high-wide players. They're, they're keeping McCullough and Sinclair up, seeing how dangerous they can be when they're one-on-one with defenders, and, and they really are dangerous when they're one-on-one with defenders. I think Kasani Sinclair's up to like nine goals in 10 games or some, something silly like that, and he claims he's maybe chasing uh, Daryl at the top as well. Or, well, he, he, he was a bit more um, measured than that when we actually interviewed him. but Which, which is rightfully so, but... I mean, Tommy, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. We were saying Hassan is not getting the type of service that he needs, whether it's balls played through to him, whether it's him on the shoulder. Um, and you've seen the difference in him. I think he scored four-headed goals in his last three games. Yeah, I mean, Hassani's a player who's scored goals over the years at MPLWA level. We've seen that at Gwellup. We've seen that at Coburn. And even when Forrest Field were in the MPLWA for a little while a few years back, uh, he's he's been a pretty consistent player if you can get the service right to him. Um, Josh nailed it, really. I mean, there were three opportune moments which Perth were able to take in the game when they came their way. I thought Sterling started pretty well. Um, but then 
that midfield diamond, it was funny because we watched them against Armadale earlier in the season. It didn't really work because um, Armadale were able to stretch the pitch and and really sort of get down the flanks at them and, and, and in particular overlap and make two-on-ones out wide. But in this game, Perth's midfield diamond was just able to smother Sterling in the central positions and they couldn't really find any space in between the lines. And that was basically where the game was won for me and, and Sterling weren't really a threat in the second half. They just didn't look like they were going to be able to create a clear-cut chance of any note. Before so. we... Get- Oh yeah, so, well sometimes the ball's never even in midfield in an Armadale game anyway. So <laughs> no, I, we I don't think we could say that anymore about uh, Armadale. I'll, I'll disagree. Yeah. I think Armadale are trying to play. No, they, I, they're we, playing football. They, they deserve their flowers, yeah. Armadale. They yeah, they're, play, they're playing football, and they, they, they've yeah. I was a doubter. Um, so shout out to John O'Reilly because um, I think what he's got the boys doing at, at Armadale is is incredible. Quietly. One loss in 11 for Armadale. One loss in 11. That's in, impressive. I said at the all, start, in all they're, they're a fortress. So when, that's when including Sterling. Australia Cup. Yeah, in all competitions, one loss in 11. When Massey's beat them at home, I did say it was a, uh, a fortress there. And, and Sean Fry, shout out to you, mate. I know you're a bit of a soft cock, but um, <laughs> shout out to you. I uh, hope all is well. But he did say, you know, he, he was taking the piss. And I said, it's going to be a fortress. And I think, you know, coming off some of those results at Armadale, they're, they're tough to beat. It's a pretty nice segue to the weekend's game, isn't it, Kalichi? I was going to say, before we even get to the segue, can we have one quick word on Sterling? They've had one win since their appearance, since um, the appearance here on the Perth Football Podcast. Oh, you can't be talking up this curse so much. You, I am not you... saying it is a curse. I am simply stating fact, and the fact is they've won one match since the appearance of the Perth Football Podcast. Injuries. And they've had an injury, and it's season in, in, oh, no, injury, massive, injury as well. Uh, mass, massive injury. So they had uh, Cal Whitney out. For the game on the weekend, uh, and they had, and they had uh, uh, Dayon Spaseski uh, out as well, and I think that's probably the biggest one. I mean, if you take those two players out of the side, that's basically your six and your eight, or starting six and your eight gone. Uh, they obviously have um, they have a little bit of depth there because they obviously have Sam Wynn and, and Giles Davies, and Giles Davies had a pretty good performance on the weekend in a losing side. But when you take Dayon Spaseski, um, firstly, you actually you talk about conceding goals from headers and conceding goals from corners. You take someone who can win the ball in the air out of the side, but also he's the captain. He's uh, he's the guy that does the talking in there, does the organisation. He's more than just what he gives on the pitch. And also he's a very selfless player and he breaks down the play. He puts in those tackles, he lays the ball off to other players and, and then he doesn't watch other players do the work, but he, he's a very selfless player and, and he does a lot of that work defensively behind the ball that maybe they would have been able to stop some of those counter-attacks if he was in that position on the weekend. I think it's it's also telling where you, it's not just missing your captain, but it's also the like embodiment and personification of the Macedonian community on the pitch that's there. And I think I think that's important when you've got that player who knows exactly what the club is about, has the history of the club, has has just has a little bit more invested in that, and you take that passion away, it's a little bit difficult um, to replace. Yeah, it's like you have the the fan out on the pitch. So yeah, he, he doesn't want to lose as much as the fans don't want to lose, right? He's he's definitely not there, not there just for the coin or, or just for the run on the weekend. Um, and going into we got two teams who have a. Australia Cup game this Tuesday. Um, Sorrento and Armadale played with Armadale going up 3-0 wins. Anyone get to see any of the goals or yeah. highlights from that? Do you want me to go first? You as go re- first. As a referee or a spectator? Both. A spectator. Let, let's, let's, get, let's give Armadale some praise first. Yeah, because, I was about to say, Armadale played well. Irrespective, it was against you know nine players for the majority of the match. I think leading up to it, they looked dangerous. Um, playing some good football. I'll tell you, and go up front, does he age this boat? He is unbelievable. He's just deadly and, and, and just knows where to go. 
he just knows where to go. He's, he's the Paolo Rossi of, of MPLWA football. <laughs> I wish I had you recorded for that. That'd be a great line there. Hey, it's absolutely. A, it's a really nice combination with Jelanovic up front. Those two players just seem to complement each other really well. And then you've got the energy of, of Peter Jacobs and Gordon Perkins on each flank as well. Um, and I've spoken about Abdul Osman as well. I think he's been magnificent the last month or so as well. And... Um, they were obviously missing um, Nathan Costello at the weekend, uh, who picked up that red card against um, Sterling the week before. So um, for them to hold a clean sheet as well without him in the team. Yuzri Garcella saved a penalty from Chris Jackson as well. Good save too. Um, so, yeah, everything's coming up nice and rosy for Armadale at the moment. They've um, celebrated their 50th anniversary in style at the weekend. Big shout out to them for that as well. Obviously, a really good community club here in the state. Um, I'm sure they had a really good night, um, but they'll probably have to uh, dust themselves off pretty quickly because they've got a big game on Tuesday night, which we'll come to shortly. Um, and in other results, as I wait and scroll to the end of the screen, Belcata and succumbed to a 2-3 loss with the last-minute winner against Flutter Athena, who we haven't even spoken about them, and very quietly, they've won four of their last fives, and they're uh, second in the league. Bailey and, Brad Montgomery again, scoring goals. Yeah, and speaking of curses... I mean, we were suggesting last week that maybe Floriot's curse is lifting. They get a few decisions going their way. They get a last-minute winner against uh, bottom of the table, Balcata. Maybe, maybe the dice are rolling their way. Well, you say that, and they've just got McManus who's come back, and he is an That's right, absolute, massive in. He's massive an in. absolute baller. And, and if, if we can get a partnership with him and Petkov up there, especially with Rezai as well, like they look dangerous. Yeah, and Pet- Petkov's only been back for a couple games as well, so we, we've really not seen their best team the whole season. I yeah. don't, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the die or dice rolled your way, but I'm a big fan of swings and roundabouts. Now, Florida over this season have had some really bad things go against them, and, and it went their way with Perth when it, I think it was, was one-all at the time. And the Hassani Sinclair offside? Yeah, correct. So those things, and, and I did run into Vass at one of the junior games. My son was playing and he was down there. And I said, mate, you've, you've, it's gone your way. Oh, not really. And I showed him, he goes, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> it, you know, and, and this is the thing. It happens. It happens. It swings and roundabouts. You're going to get the ones that come against you and, and they're going to come again. You're going to get them for you. And, and, you know, that Perth would have gone 2-1 up. There was no way it was going to, well, obviously wouldn't finish 3-1. But, you know, you wouldn't have seen Floriat with 15 minutes to, to go to, to really pinch the win there. Yeah, and until they scored in... Until they scored the the late winner in that game, Lap Matiang's goal. Yep. Until that went in, it, it really looked like Perth were on top, and they were still yeah. pushing to, to get the second. Yeah, it feels like Perth, it feels like Florida have had their little bit of a rut, hasn't it? I mean, we were they were a little bit out of form. They had that heavy defeat to Bayswater. I think they were one in five in terms of winning games, and they've hit back a little bit, haven't they? Now that as you guys have mentioned, they've got a few of their injured players starting to come back. Petkov, McManus. I think Jared Rezai missed a couple of games as mm. well. Um, and there was a bit of a circuit-breaking win for them away at Persidor Reserve, which I, I I did the game there, and I think Sorrento were, were heavy favourites. They were top of the league at the time. They'd just beaten the glory at, in, down in Bustleton, and yeah, Florit rocked up there and won 3-1, so that's that's definitely been the catalyst for them going forward. Nice little bit of um, symmetry, though. Uh, this weekend, they're playing the glory at home. That was the game where it all fell apart for them last season, and the week after, Red Star, as we mentioned before. So two massive weeks for them. Yeah. Um, what a league. They'll, they'll, they'll be hoping to make sure they get a better result against the Glory than they did last year. Um, and if they do, then they'll go into Red Star feeling really confident and it'll be a great game. I'm not a big fan of shout-outs, and I will say that because I don't like to jinx anyone. But one thing with Floriot is with, with their head coach. Now, you talk about some massive coaches in WA, Kenny Lowe, 
you've got Gareth Navens, you know, you Trevor Morgans, you've got Vass Vujicic, who's there, has got all of his players playing for each other and playing for that club. Now, that club themselves, he's not a big name coach, but to get them playing the way they're playing, like credit to him, he's, he's doing a great job. And, and, and I think they'd prefer to be going up quietly up the ladder rather than us talking about him because I tell you what, that's how they do it. And every year, every year you go, oh, Dean Evans isn't playing, if Fluto's not playing, oh, there'll be nothing. The team just lifts every time. Have we, have we missed any games yet? I was about to go in. Other results, Englewood won 2-0 against the Glory, who have quietly... Uh, Inglewood quietly won three of their last four games as well. Um, spoke to one of their players on the way to the train, and they said that things really clicked for them um, in the in the weekend in terms on of the way, the, on the way to the train. On the way to the train, mate. Where where do you not see people you know? Uh, we don't all come come to work in limos, mate. <laughs> some of us have to catch trains. Yeah, some of us are men of the people, Josh. I <laughs> some of us work in the community. I work in my dining room. What are you talking about? And that's why you don't see anybody. That's true. Um, but on the way to the train, and they said that things kind of clicked for them um, and that they were able to get a lot of luck playing against the break against Glory. But again, typically Glory play a certain way. And if you prepare for that during the week, you kind of get those results. Um, other result who we can speak about and also preparation for the Australia Cup game. Coburn got a win against Guella. Did anyone get to see any of the highlights or the results from that? It was a good goal. Yeah. Sianovic, uh, Savanovic. Good game. Good game. I think, again, Coburn just going about what Coburn do and just grind results out and they're just and they're doing what they need to do massive massive game will be now Balcatta against Gwellup the catch-up game that needs to be played and I think it's this week I think it's coming up tomorrow night yeah so by the time this podcast is out we we should have a result that's a massive game that's you know I think the latter is two points Balcatta and five for for uh, Gwellup and that that could change a lot of things so tomorrow night we've got quite a few big games Tommy who you who you got where are you going to be I'm at Sorrento versus Coburn for the um, Australia Cup preliminary semi-final. Obviously, a place in the national round of 32 and in the state cup final um, up for grabs. Uh, Sorrento looking to make their third appearance on the national stage from memory. Coburn their second, um, having previously played West uh, Melbourne Knights. So, yeah, both teams with experience on the national stage before. They, they know what it's about. They've been there and done it. Coburn have, have, have actually performed pretty well in the Cups over the years. So it's not even, – even though I suppose we look at the league and we see that they're 10th and, and they're in the, the semi-final of the preliminary rounds here, it's not really a massive surprise that they are at this stage of the competition. Um, I've got a really good statistic on this one, which I, I spotted a little bit earlier in my prep. Go on, tell us. And I'm going to put the absolute mockers on this one now. <laughs> But in every MPLWA match since 2014, when the competition began, both teams have scored in all 18 games that they've in in every game wow. that they've met all 18. That's a both stat. teams have scored. Wow! No one's no one has been held scoreless. So watch it be a nil nil tomorrow. Sorry, everybody. Nil nil and pen. So that extra everyone time penalty <laughs> kicks from the penalty mark. Um, when it goes that the other thing that's quite interesting with that is Sorrento will be playing now with two suspended players. Well, they won't be playing. They won't be playing with two oh, of their players. Right. We've got to ask about, about yeah. tweets. Yeah. Tweets is a big out. Horrible. Can I say that? Yeah, I'm saying it. I mean, you are the one who judges the referee, so. Yeah, I do. I mean, it, it, it's a t- listen, it's a tough gig out there, but it just looked like for me it was a yellow card. The first one, the first red card, which is obviously given for Dogzo uh, by hand, it was a tough one to see because I was watching it on the live stream. Um, the Josh, put your hand down, Josh. Second, it's tough. I mean, off the what? To be honest, Josh, watching it, I would have gone penalty yellow because I don't think I think the keeper was going to save it. I would have thought. Second one, I think tweets was 
done well. It was unlucky to get a red there. Um, so yeah, they're going to be you know tweets and and I can't remember who was the other one. Got Jordan Brown. Brown, Brownie. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So two big players, two big big players to be out. And I mean, Captain Stats over here will be able to tell me Coburn are normally pretty strong at uh, Percy Doyle reserves reserve. Uh-huh. They seem to do okay. They don't listen. They don't get belted. But they do no, come away no, with they, no. They haven't been. They haven't been belted. I agree with you. Though. I'm sure it'll be a tight fix yeah, as well. With, with the last minute that we've got, can you uh, give us anyone your thoughts on the Bayswater Armadale game? Bayswater. I I, I think I think Armadale are just playing so well at the moment. I think it's hard to go against the form, isn't it? Bayswater. I saw them a couple of weeks ago against the Glory, and and Glory played pretty well in that game, and and Glory are sort of down in eighth at the moment, and. And, and aren't really sort of finding the back of the net as much as they'd like. I think only the bottom two teams in the league have scored um, less goals than them. So they're struggling to find the back of the net. So for them to put two past Bayswater and then obviously for Bayswater to concede four at the weekend, mm. and with Armadale playing really well, you'd have to say that the home team, play, playing in front of that crowd as well, obviously boisterous after those 50th anniversary celebrations, yeah. they, they're probably favourites for me in that game. Yeah, it feels like a bit of momentum's been building for Armadale, isn't it? Like, John's made such a big point about how important the Cup is to the team and uh, getting to the, the national rounds of the Australia Cup and making the, the State Cup final, which I think they did a few years ago under O'Reilly's stewardship yeah, did, yeah. as well. So I tend to think when teams have that, like, weight of history behind them, the 50th anniversary, then that the momentum yeah. comes. Yeah, the narrative is there. I guess it's up to, to Bayswater to, to turn it on, show that the performance on the weekend was a bit of a blip and to, to spoil the party. I uh, think uh, out of the four teams that are in the semi-final, all have played in the FFA Cup round of 32. Yeah, they have. Yep. The only team to have won uh, out of WA in the... This is the sixth year? Sixth or seventh year. Seventh. The only team to have won a game in the round of 32, Bar Perth Glory, is Sorrento over the years. No one has won a game. Yep. Apart, and that was against Canberra Olympic. Uh, Percy Dorr, I've got a stat. How good's that? That's a great stat. Yeah, That's a great stat. Took one off me, Al. Nova. Yeah. For what for what it's worth, I will say Bayswater's yeah. strength is playing on the counter. Um, it's not necessarily taking the opportunity and building up goals and, and dictating play and going left and going all the way right and kind of um, obliterating you through penetrative passes or anything like that. It's kind of turning, getting you on the counter and, 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 and striking real fast. And Armadale will sit deep. Yeah. Those chances won't necessarily be there and Armadale score goals. So I'm also going to tip the uh, the... The upset, but we, but it also wouldn't surprise us if, if Bayswater had four chances and with Dumba and John Steins and um, Gordon Smith they scored two or three of them. So it it really is a tough game to call and that one. That's it, the beauty the, of all of this is what the hell do we know? And Alfred Skeet Reserve is not phased for night matches. It's one of the first in a while. Well, look, that was all for part one. We'll be back with part two, talking the real MPL, the WMPL. You can't avoid me completely, boys and girls, before the team jump back into the action. Just want to quickly thank our sponsors. The Hush Connective is where we do all of our recording. If you've got a story to tell or something you want to record, get in touch with Robbie, very, very helpful man, uh, at the Hush Connective Facebook page or at 484 Albany Highway in Victoria Park. Also the address of the Mind Body Lounge, who have some wonderful therapy treatments down here, uh, massage chairs, meditation pods, cryotherapy chambers, whatever your treatment of choices. You can pick your poison. Andy Longmore is our winner of last week's competition, so get in touch with us. We'll arrange you a voucher. If you want to win a free therapy treatment at the Mind Body Lounge, then just share any of Perth Football Podcast's posts this week. Back with more after this.
And we're back with the real MPL, the ladies' MPL. Tommy, you were down for the top of the table clash between Perth SC and Perth Red Star. Carroll got the only goal of the game, but tell us how it all went. I thought it was a good first half. I thought Perth really sort of showed it up to Red Star a little bit in that first 45. They created a lot of chances. Emma McMurdo hit the bar. It bounced away to safety. Uh, Zoe Spadano had a volley, which was probably goal-bound, but it was blocked by a Red Star defender. And they did create opportunities, and they looked dangerous. They had a, I must have, they must have had double figures in terms of corners in the first half. They just weren't able to put one away or, or create a meaningful opportunity from one of those. And then, and Jamie Duncanson also put one over the bar from about six or seven yards. And as we've seen so often with Red Star, when they need a goal, they get one. And it was Jay Coleman who threaded a pass through Larissa Walsh using her pace, which we've seen so often this season. Uh, she squared for Carroll and she put it in the bottom corner, as we know she can. And after that, really, um, the second half wasn't as open. I think Red Star were quite happy. They, they maybe took a couple of steps back. Uh, they didn't really give Perth the opportunity to sort of press on them as much and have as much joy um, in terms of creating opportunities and creating chances. So I think I kind of worried it in my reporters. Red Star kept them at arm's length and that was exactly what they did. And they've won 11 games on the bounce and... Yeah, they, they are just a tremendous team. They, they're such a well-oiled unit. They are cohesive. They are on the same page as each other. The young players complement the experienced players well. You, you just cannot say a, a bad word of, about them. Full stop. They, they are literally playing so well at the moment. When you say them, call them a, a well-oiled machine, it just had me thinking of like the San Antonio Spurs, especially when I saw Walsh going through on goal. I knew for a fact they're not going to mess this up. She's going to square it and it'll be an easy tap and, and there is going to be no ego in terms of going for the glory and taking the shot when it's a two-on-one opportunity. We'll just do the simple thing, get the goal and just come back and talk about it later. And that's exactly what happened. So so when you do compl- mention that they complement each other, it, it, it really does feel like they're just on song and, and just on page, especially when they know that every single team that they go up against is going to give them their biggest shot as well. Yeah, and it, it does help when you have players like Sean Billum, who's coming up to 200 games. Uh, Emily Dunn's played 250. Carla Bennett's the club record appearance holder there. they It is a testament to their... It's a bit of an overused word, but it's a testament to their culture that they manage to keep the players in that team as they do. And... I mean, when you've got young players like Ruby Cohen and you've got Andrea Teixeira and, and a couple of others who are sort of coming through the ranks, it's it's one of those things where, like, what, what better players could you possibly have to learn from in terms of your development as you sort of come through to become a player in the MPLW competition? And, yeah, I've, I've spoken about how, how lucky we are to see Kim Carroll in the MPLW as well, a player who's played over 50 times for Matilda. She is just an unbelievably good defender. Yeah, and uh, Kalichi, you and I were talking about the psycholo- the psychological impact for opposition attackers of having Kim Carroll there. Like, there was a point in the game the week before, I think it was the week before, either week before, two weeks before, against Fremantle City, mm-hmm. when Michaela Lyons is going through on a break. She sees Kim Carroll in front of her, and there's, al- there's almost no thought of actually trying to go past her because you know that it's a brick wall at the back, and it's a it's a cul-de-sac and you're going to have to turn around and go the other way and then that just gives time for all of the other defenders to get back get into their shape and it's so hard to play through them once they're in there and they're all behind the ball so they can really do it on both ends of 
of the park and it's that defensive solidity that really sort of sets up uh, that platform for players like Walsh and Carolyn Coleman to have scored as many goals as they have. Her, her positioning is unreal and it's a big it's a big part of why the defence is so strong and it's is experience. the best in the league. Yeah, yeah experienced. But um, it's interesting and no disrespect to the league, but I did ring the general manager of Perth Red Star, Simon Hicks, to, to drive his BMW down to footballs to collect the trophy because I think it's going to be tough now. Really, really tough. I think there was it 12 points in front? 13, yeah. 13 points in front. I mean, are they going to drop four... Are they going to drop one game? Never mind. They've got to drop five. Five. Yeah. I can't, you know, five games in, in, what have they got, 10 matches to go? And and you look at it last year, I think um, I think they barely lost and mum barely lost. And I think mum won with something like 51 points. I mean, where yeah. just yeah. past the halfway point of the season, they've already got 33. Yeah. It was the last game of the season when they lost their second game, and it was almost the last second of the game. You, you, just can't, you just can't see a team beating them. I mean... I mean, Perth have, from my understanding, is Perth have sort of bulked up in terms of, of their players. Um, but again, it, you know, a 1-0 win there. Um, it, it's going to be tough for any team. You know, Fremantle City, you know, they've, their injury injury hit. They've got a lot of injuries as well. And, and it's going to just be a struggle to play against them. Well, and it, means, and it means Perth have to lose against teams that are currently in the bottom half of the table. It's, it's not, given the games they've got left, it's not just losing no, no. against the teams Absolutely. around them. They've got to lose games against teams that are towards the bottom of the table as well. And the way they're playing, you just can't imagine and that. And those happening. teams above need to win as well. Mm. So it's not just a matter of losing. They've got to win. I, I still think that Perth are based on that Fremantle City performance the week before and that first half where they actually did play pretty well. I should emphasize that. Uh, Pete Rakic's team did do... Uh, they, they gave Red Star a real test in that first 45 minutes and it was just that one lapse of concentration. I, I still think they're best equipped on what I've seen in the past two weeks to, to test Red Star in a one-off game, whether it be a state cup final or in a top four match later in the season. But there's obviously a lot of water to go under the bridge before then. Um and, and obviously players can get injured and, and things can sort of change and, and turn around. So, yeah, there, there's it, like like Alex said, it's going to be hard to see anybody catching Red Star, if we're honest, but I think Perth are definitely best equipped and maybe Freeman will have some talent on the day to test yep. them. But, yeah, it's... it's well, that's six points. Yeah. <laughs> did, um, did Andy Teixeira play in that game? She didn't, actually. She didn't, actually, Kalichi. She is... I saw her play against Fremantle and she was the calmest person in the most like weird moments. And I remember speaking to Shawnee afterwards and she said, yeah, she scares us with how calm she is. But you think about that as your combination at center back where you've got the little and large. And again, harking back to what Josh said, there's been situations where like I've, 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 I've likened her to Virgil van Dyke in terms of she just ushers defender, uh, ushers attackers all the way to the sideline and say, yep, take cool, take the throw in. I don't have to tackle you. I don't have to like actually engage with you. I can just, with my presence, just use the force and push you to the sideline. Um, Josh and I were actually at Curtin on a cold, rainy, windy night on a Friday um, where Balcatter, which tells you all about how good our Friday nights are, where our Balcatter <laughs> ran out 2-0 winners with goals from Godin and Prinsloo, and Josh confused one of the Diopurosit sisters. I did. I didn't check the number properly. Oh, wow. I thought I, I, I thought it was a two. I thought it was a two. Two is Monique, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, who, uh, who also got, got the Perth Football Podcast treatment because she came on here, said she'd never got a red card, and probably got, got sent card. off for a, a last player challenge. Um, what did you think of the match? Uh, I thought Balcada were pretty impressive in the sense that uh, the conditions were absolutely horrible, uh, which made it possible for Curtin to put in a really desperate performance where 
they were they were really doing a lot of defending in their back third and uh, on the goal line almost. Um, Balcada I think hit the, hit the post three times. They actually hit oh they hit the woodwork four times, but um, one of those times, uh, Monique de Opera, it was Monique. I know that one. Um, smashed it an absolute worldie of a left foot shot into the crossbar before Godding uh, Godding followed up, which was the the opener in the sixty seventh minute. Uh, Prinsloo did a pretty good job leading the line. She's obviously out her first year from NTC. She decided to join Balcata. She uh, she missed a couple, but then she got uh, a really good looping header over the top of the goalkeeper to ice the game in the 91st minute. Um, I think Balcata have what it takes definitely to make it into that top four cup, whether they're uh, a factor once they get there uh, remains to be seen, but they can definitely... They're definitely solid enough in every position of the pitch that they can put in a p- good performance against whoever they play against. And a word on what you saw from Curtin. Obviously, they've got a new coach. Did you um, notice anything about the way that they were playing? It, it, it's hard to say. Like, it was a very different performance from the last game. I saw them against Fremantle where, uh, I don't know, they, they, they got a couple goals from set pieces. But um, I, I just think it, it's, it's going to be a real struggle. For them, I think picking up points, you know, if they are able to pick up a couple of results, though, towards the end of the season, then, uh, then you know, you like to see that because you want to see as much competition as you can in the competition in, in the league. Yeah, and obviously they've got a, the new coach, um, Hassan El Ahmad. He, yeah, he, he spoke to us after the game and you can check out the interview on our Perth Football Podcast uh, Facebook page. But he was just singing the praise of his players in terms of the way that they were playing, the high press that they had. Um, their activities and being super busy in, in terms of, in terms of that, and again, it's it's really really early days for him. Three three games in, um, but he felt really happy and content. Um, did we get any other games? Anyone attend any other games? I watched a little bit of the Subiaco NTC game, uh, which was it was an interesting game actually. It was a, it, it, lots of chances in it. Uh, NCC raced into a two-goal lead. Tanika Lala she's got six for the season now. She's she's playing quite well. Um, She's she's leading that line and, and looks like a really sort of promising player going forward. She's she's got a lot of talent. Uh, Subiaco have come off a pretty tough run lately. They had that crazy four-all draw about a month ago, um, winless in four since. But dug deep, and you've got to give credit to them for for, for making making a comeback. They got one back um, through Samantha Nara off the top of my head, and then. I think uh, Marissa Pigeon uh, came on for jo- uh, for Zara Board, made an, made a really good double save. First one from Georgia Cassidy's free kick, the other from Olivia Truman's follow-up. That was with about two minutes left, and those saves meant that little bit more because they got a 92nd-minute equaliser from across through Emma Elias's header. So, yeah, a, a, an encouraging point for uh, Greg Farrell's side, I suppose. Uh, good to see them show some fight coming back from 2-0 down. But I think NTC will be probably kicking themselves a little bit that they've given away a lead uh, and not for the first time this season either. They've dropped points from a winning position. Before I pass it on through to you, uh, Josh, just need to actually say that Tommy's given you all that information fresh off his mind, just fresh from his memory in terms of what he's seen. I've got two pages worth of notes here and I'm fumbling and bumbling and doing a good job editing so you won't actually hear me fumbling and bumbling. But that's how good this man is in terms of his football knowledge in WA. Can I say, this is really bad, but... Like when when he commentate when he commentates and when Sean Fry commentates, 
I'll, you know, I don't watch the game, but I'm happy to listen to my guy have a shower and I can hear him, you know, in the In the background. shower? You yeah. can listen to Tommy while you're in the shower? Golden tones. I don't know Absolute. how I feel about that. Frank he, doesn't, he, doesn't Fra- sing, he doesn't sing Mate, in the shower. i tell you what. He's, he's got is, the candles going. He is the Frank Sinatra of, of football in Australia. I tell you, don't worry about Simon Hill. Frank Tommy, Sinatra. Tommy Dolan and Robbie Sean Fry. I, I tell you what, just two of the greatest comments. And Sean Fry, when he wears that bow tie, tell you what. I tell you what, it, 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 oh, is, it is easier to watch the games when you have the commentators on. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. One, yeah, hundred percent. To listen to Tommy and listen to Sean, it'd be good to have all games commentated. And um, yeah, we can move from there. Uh, as you were saying, Josh, I just wanted to say um, six six goals for the season for Tanika Lala. Obviously, I, I boost her a bit because um, I know her from back in the Kalgoorlie days. But she's one of the. I don't know if she's the only one. But she's one of the few NTC players who's at the top age. Now and I think there's going to be a lot of clubs after her signature next year if she stays in uh, in West Australian football. Perfect. That will be all for part. Oh, Tommy, you got one more oh, word. Wow, we got one more game. Quick mention: Fremantle City three, Mum FC nil. Oh, can and I, I just want to mention Gary Church. He as coach at Fremantle City for, to get results with the number of injuries that he's got. He, he's he's got them got them playing well and he's got them playing. A he's good truly of one of the greats. He's like absolutely to be honest. Well. He's he's the greatest and he is. Gentleman of WA football, he he really is, and um, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does, uh, not just at Fremantle, but in football in WA in g- uh, general. And having to work alongside him, lucky enough to do that, he's he's great. They do have some really good talent as well. I know we spoke about them briefly before. That was probably the worst I've I've seen them a few times this season live, and that was probably the worst I've seen them play against Perth in that three 0 loss. But they've they've got talent. They've got Michaela Lyons. They've got Jamie Lee Gale. They've got Laura Waltman. They've got they've got plenty of good players in that squad. Uh, who if they all and Dale Schroeder is a good goalkeeper as well. If they all perform on the day, they can definitely trouble a team. A little bit like Perth, I'd say in a top four cup or in a um, or in a state cup later in the year. Yeah, and uh, Kat, Kat Yukich as well as that X factor potentially for a final situation. I know she's only playing. She's on three-on-one swings as well. Yeah, so she's only playing occasional games and she's only coming off the bench. But, uh, you know, she scored a goal against Red Star the other day. Not many players have done that this year. And um, and she's definitely someone that gives them something a little bit different uh, in, in a situation where maybe she's coming off the bench and they're trying to win a final. And playing goals. She's done that too. Oh, yeah, she's playing goals as well, which yeah, is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking of ridiculous, we'll be back with part three where we talk some state league. And a quick shout out to the Sunday League, where the Amateur Cup winners from last year have been knocked out. Unlucky. And welcome back to part three of the Perth Football Podcast. Joined in the studio. That's right. We actually got a really nice message uh, this week. Let me read it out for you. Hey guys, just wanted to send a quick message. Not sure how many people do reach and say well done on the podcast and your promotion of the game. I've been listening to all the episodes and think it's particularly great hearing the positive, but also address the taboo and negative issues that come up, e.g. violence in the game, which will hopefully make people think twice. Uh, Being a female involved in the men's game for so long, I've had my fair share of comments, but I think you guys did did an amazing job at addressing it. And lastly, thank you for the last episode with Chris Barty. Shout out to Chris. I absolutely loved the listening to the episode and the topic of inclusion, e, et cetera, et cetera, and his journey. It was a massive education for me for something I'm not completely across, and I really, really enjoyed it. All the best on your future episodes, and I look forward to tuning in. How good is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great little message, isn't it? It's an absolute feel-good message. And you know what makes us feel good? 
having Robbie on the line. Robbie, how are you? Good evening, everyone. Good to be here or um, virtually be in the studio, if you will. Rumor has it that yourself and Tommy just haven't been in the same room in, in case of just having the place spontaneously combust with good voices. You might just start singing together, Tommy. Take it to the next level, mate. I'd be in trouble. Oh, how do you sing, Tommy? Because we know Robbie's all right. Uh, we might have to go to a karaoke bar on a Saturday night and let you boys determine <laughs> that. Done. You'd be in trouble, Nova? Oh, some great voice. I, I struggle to understand Robbie, but... <laughs> I'll tell you oh. what. Sorry, Robbie, I only joke you, mate. You know I understand. You've had many uh, British, Scottish uh, managers and coaches, so I'm, I'm used to the accent. So, um, yeah, a karaoke bar sounds good, though. That's a great uh, I, I reckon, End I, of season. I reckon you've got a hip-hop number in you somewhere there, Nova. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby's as good as it comes. <laughs> good God. So embarrassing. Good God. <laughs> Going right back, because we don't need a segue to get away from Vanilla Ice. Uh, Robbie, can you give us a quick roundup of anything interesting, anything quirky, anything fun to happen in the State League, mate? Again, another week of a lot happening in State League Div 1 and Div 2. Some surprise results, um, big score lines, fantastic goals. We'll start with um, State League Div 1. Mandura beating league leaders Olympic Kingsway 3-2 down there at Mandura, just making that table a little bit more interesting. Olympic Kingsway have now lost two games, Man, um, Fremantle behind them. Um, that league is becoming nice and close now, um, I believe, over the next few weeks. The pressure will continue to be put put on Olympic Kingsway. They definitely have a good enough squad mm. um, to continue their good form. Um, but, you know, the pressure from Fremantle, a team that's only lost one game this year. Western Knights continuing to pick up the wins. And all, obviously Mandurah, again, who where the, the victors of that Olympic Kingsway game will fancy themselves as well. Hey, Robbie, just a quick one. Agree or disagree, Western Knights are going to go up. We were talking about teams that go about their business quietly. I reckon Western Knights might be that side. They just they just pinch results, get re- or don't pinch results, get results and, and move up the, the table quietly, at, like, like similar to Florida, who are now second on the table and no mention of them. Western Knights are always a team that I believe that you can you can count on to just be in and around there and cause problems, win games, and especially when they're at Nashfield, they're a, they're a force to be reckoned with. And again, they're proven again this year that they're not just competitive, but they can go anywhere and, and pick the win. So I believe you look at your Olympic Kingsways, your Fremantles, again, Western Knights and Mandurah, all of the, them teams have the, the capability to, to win that odd game and get themselves in the NPL. You mentioned that there were some good goals at the weekend, Robbie. Which one was your favourite? Tell us uh, where we should all be looking at on MPL.TV for the best goal of the weekend in State League Division 1. Player manager John Baird scored a fantastic goal to um, to open the scoring. Mandurah versus Olympic Kingsway struck it really well and the Olympic Kingsway goalkeeper was beaten too easy. Uh, well, not too easy, but I think he was caught off guard by how well the ball was struck in into the, 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 the far right corner. I would look to to Western Knights. Um, Apparently, we, when he goal. when he hit it, when he hit it, the goalkeeper was kind of put off because the ball was just suspended in air for so long. Yeah, it, it was a, it was an interesting goal. I didn't see it coming, but again, John ran onto that. He's a very experienced player, so you, you know he can run into them spaces and catch people off mm, guard. And mm. again, the way that he caught the ball, the timing of it, um, it, it definitely caught me off guard when I watched it. It's a fantastic strike. It carried all the way to the goal. And um, beat the keeper. Fantastic goal, I think. We can also look to 
a few really good goals in the State League Div 1. Of course, we don't have um, video footage of Div 2, so... I'm assuming there, there was there was also that there was also that grounds. cracker from 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 the ageless wonder out there in Fremantle as well. Gabby Knight, you know, people can never count out Gavin Knight, um, of a of a fantastic player in Western Australia. And again, he's, he scored a great goal. Um, boys, what did you think of that goal? Did you get to watch it yourself? Yeah, I, I thought it was a great goal. I mean, I mean, Gavin's a gold medal winner. I mean, that's one thing people have to remember about him. Is is yeah, we, we talk about the experience that he's got, but the quality that he's got behind him as well. I mean, you don't win a gold medal uh, for not being a, a good player. Um, so I think, yeah, the finish was, was, was just a little bit of bit of class and experience and, and reading of the game and where the keeper's standing. He's just done really well. Although we've had a good bit of conversation about the top of State League Div 1, before we move on to having a little chat about State League Div 2, Josh, it's pretty um, incredible how tight the bottom half of State League Div 1 is. Yeah, and it just shows how important, I guess, it is for um, for a competition to have a, a couple of those relegation spots or, or there's a spot where you drop into a relegation promotion playoff. And currently from fifth, uh, which is Forest Field, from fifth down to 11th, there's only five points mm. separating, which is absolutely ridiculous even at this point, even though we're only about halfway through the season. Rockingham picked up a, a really big win on the weekend, a 2-1 win over over mum, uh, I think ten uh, men as well. Ten men. Yeah, I think I think I think you watched a little bit of that game, Nova. I, I did. Uh, the we yeah, were you were you watching the, was the players watching, or the referee? Well, there's a couple of things. One, it, it was it was actually quite a good game, but the red card in the 37th minute that uh, once again Dave Averson showing his quality sends a player off for a tackle <laughs> that back in the 90s would have been just play on. But listen, it's a yellow card these days. But I tell you what, he had to run after his piece of paper that he dropped. <laughs> it was the most he ran the whole game. He didn't run that far in the whole game. And once again, he's chasing a piece of paper. And it could have blown in any direction. Wait, aren't you supposed to have it like on nah, a Nah, he's book? minging. Why would you have it as a piece of paper? Yeah, oh, don't don't they write it like on the cards and then they it, wipe it, could it have, out now? It could have blown in any direction. No, no, it had to go directly to the player that he sent off so that guy could have another crack at him. It was great. Magnificent piece so, of foot. So many highlights in one game of football. Oh, and there were three goals as well. Three, yeah, and, and, and it was a good game. It actually was a good game. And they held on. It was 2-1 at the time in the 37th minute, and they held on. And, and, it's, a, and it's a big three points for Rockingham because I think it sort of gives them a bit of a gap to uh, UWA now going. I think they were on eight. They go to 11. So, so good win. And, and Diane Eller have suddenly found some form as well, haven't they? they? They started the season a little bit slowly, obviously having come up from... State League Division Two last year um, have obviously taken a little while to find their feet, but I think they're three wins in their last four now, and um, mm. a last-minute winner on the weekend as well. Um, and they always travel well in numbers, don't they, Dinella? There right. was there was a good attendance down there. They were all running towards. They were, they were all running down, sort of not the touchline, obviously behind the the barriers, but they were sort of running in the direction of the goal score, and it was it was good vision on the live footage. Yeah. So. Jindal have had a big late winner against Forest Field. Um, so they're, they're both two teams that are sort of in that that glut between 5th and 11th place. And, uh, uh, I mean, you say some of these wins are big wins, but sometimes it, you're winning just to, to run in place given how tight it is down there. I, I think the other thing as well, and, and Robbie, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Quinn's having now lost Glenn Grosstate. Um, they, they've, they've dropped down to a 10th, I think. Um, what's your thoughts on, on Quinn's to finish off the season? Because what, what are they? I think they won a couple I, weeks ago against Joondalup, but yeah, their yeah. form's been very poor the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's going to be a really interesting end to the season for Quinn's, I think, personally. Um, looking back at their goals against Western Knights, for, for me, they scored probably the best 
apart from the, the stunner that was scored in the 93rd minute by the Western Knights player, they, they scored two very well-constructed goals mm. um, that I believe they could have scored against anyone in the league. Yeah. It was, I believe they still have the quality there to do it. I don't think Quinns are going to be in any danger of being relegated. I think um, I'm kind of safe enough to say that. Um, but yeah, they're they're obviously not in the position that they believe that they would have been with the likes of having Glenn Grossgate there. Mm. Um, and I think they'll 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 be in line to lose a few players with the transfer window coming up now. Small so shout. We'll be interesting there. Small shout out before the division two as well. Hayden Doyle scored in a fifth strike game for Quinns on the weekend in that game yeah. as well. So a little shout out to him. Oh, it's good to see him playing because I remember he had quite a terrible injury yeah, history. Basewater. Quite a while at Bayswater. Yeah, yeah. good player. Um, speaking of Division 2, there was an absolute hammering. What happened there? Yeah, State League Div 2. Um, it was Gosnell City, a team that are flying, only lost one game in the league and they, they actually hammered Ashfield Sports Club 6-0 at home. Ashfield, a team who have been relegated from State League Div 1 came down into Div 2 and have, have really quite struggled joining the league. Only picked up nine points from 11 games. And um, the the result on the weekend, 6-0 defeat, will not do anything good for their confidence at all. I think there's now becoming a bit of a split in the State League Div 2 league um, between the, the top half and the bottom half. Yeah. Um, Balga sitting in seventh at, at 12 points and Swan sitting in sixth with 16 points. So that's where the split is. Karamar are really sitting strong at the top of the table, still 30 points. Um, closely behind them is Gosnell City with 26 points as well. Um, Curtin have done very well this year across the board. Curtin mm. University, a team that were predicted at the start of the season to be pretty consistent. But I don't think anyone who does know State League Div 2 or State League Football were expecting Curtin to be flying as high as they are. Um, yeah, they're always, yeah, they are, aren't they? They're always, you know, the prediction's always going to be towards that bottom end of the table. Um, so it's good to see them sort of getting a few wins uh, under their belt. It's an interesting game next weekend, or this weekend coming up, with Ashfield playing South East Phoenix. It's a rematch nice. of a game that happened a couple of weeks ago, um, which was a catch-up fixture, so they had to play it midweek. Um, Ashfield went down there, and, and Matt Chambers scored to make it 1-0. Um, it's a huge game for Southwest Phoenix in terms of getting a chance to, 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 to claw up some space. Yeah, but it's going to be difficult. Um, so they've got to come up to Ashfield. And I think, lo and behold, I think the two clubs were merged at one stage as well. Oh, yeah, Ashfield Bunbury was. I'm not sure if it was quite it might like the Donald same was, club. But, it was know, like an it's, old... It's a big... It's a, yeah, but there's a lot of... It's, there's a, a weird lot sort stake. of link between the, the two clubs. It's a lot of stake because I think now with Southwest, I think they're on five points. Ashfield could sort of move... They potentially can move away from that bottom uh, of the table with a win there and, uh, yeah, big game. Just going on the last week, uh, uh, Robbie, you can sort of clarify for me because I keep hearing about this player... Hayden Lowe, he keeps talking himself up at work and I keep saying he's garbage. <laughs> Every time I see him play, he's absolutely rubbish. Can you? How did he go on the weekend? He reckons he, he, he played okay. Hayden's a... a I, I believe Hayden's a, a great player. You know, he's, he's young. He's, he's got a great bit of energy and pace about him in the wide area. can play in and around the wide wide areas and he's joined us here at Joondalup City coming from Olympic Kingsway. Um, he's had more clubs than Tiger Woods season. to be fair but he needs a, a Kalichi slide tackle. That's what he needs, one of those ones just to Jeez. give him an yeah, absolute, well, wake him up a bit. More fire. Absolutely. Fire in the belly of course but yeah, he's contributed to the team very well. Good. Do you reckon and, he's got a chance um, of making the Everton team? 
who knows? You know, any Kalichi, you could have a chance of making the Everton team. They need a centre back, mate. He, he so wouldn't do. Maybe you're in. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that in all seriousness, Robbie, because um, obviously they there is the partnership there, isn't there, between Junior Lop City and, and Everton? Over the last few years, City and the club that I'm I'm with at the moment of um, being an international academy affiliate partner of Everton. And everyone usually asks, you know, what does that entail? What, what what really is that? And really, it's a partnership between both of the clubs to to share philosophies, to not just educate the players and really bring across the Everton way to the way we coach football at Jindalup City, but it's also in the education of the coaches as well. Um, fortnightly, there is meetings between the the um, the head international academy coach Paddy Brown and the Everton and the Jindalup City coaches where we discuss different um, points of the the coaching philosophies that, that we can incorporate, not just into our training sessions, but our games, um, that are, I feel that are really valuable. And we've now got to the point where now the, the pandemic has let us open the borders and we can now bring the coaches over here to to, to Jindal up and actually get them involved in some clinics to coach our players, get them to, to touch the club and um, see what we're all about. It's really exciting and you know, this has been done before at other clubs. Let, let's not mm. lie about that. Um, there, there has been some previous experiences here, here in Perth, but the um, personal involvement I've had in this, I, I believe that this has been a really good thing. And hopefully um, when they come over here to Perth, it, it can only expand the relationship and um, help the club. And I think the results that our, our juniors have, have improved over the last few years is is very much to do with our partnership with Everton and the, the, close, the close relationship there. Uh, I will say, I mean, if you look at it, you can't base everything on, on results in junior football. Definitely fact, not. Yeah, no. most things you can't base on results. Um, it's about development. But uh, just going on, on where Junior Lap City were a couple of years ago to how they're going now, there's definitely been a, a lot of improvement across that program. You can't say that for every junior MPL club as well. So, so they are doing a lot of things right, whether it's down to the Everton partnership uh, or, or down to other factors. Obviously, other stuff needs to work really well to, to make sure everything's moving in the right direction. Just uh, just back on the on the State League a bit, uh, mm-hmm. Southwest Phoenix losing again on the weekend. Kalichi, Sunday League footballers must be absolutely <laughs> petrified <laughs> about the prospect that the Bunbury trip is returning back to Sundays. Not going to lie, the Bunbury trip isn't that bad because you, you get to play on the Saturday night and you come back on the Sunday. So it's a good time. It's, 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 a, it's a, a good prim- night out. It's a night out, that's right. We, we help stimulate the economy amongst a whole bunch of other things that, that happens there on these away trips. Stimulate other <laughs> um, So <laughs> You're it's not Amateur supposed Prem. to say the quiet bit out loud. The, the Amateur Prems is the, the, is it Division 3 Geraldton trip? Division uh, three division, three. Yeah, Geraldton are in Division Absolutely 3. Yeah, the armor. Brilliant. Nothing wrong with it. Um, but we had another point, um, guys. There's been a recent transfer. Kingsley Westside have picked up Luke Salmon from Dianella White Eagles. Luke Salmon's a player that's played at a very good level here in, in WA. I think the last time he was playing in the NPL, he was at Bayswater City. What's the connection yeah. there with, with, with Salmon and, and Kingsley? Because that's a massive I think pick he up. Has, I, think he, I think he has um, siblings that play for that Kingsley right. team. Right, okay. So the, They've picked him up from Dianella, and he scored an absolute stunner on yeah, his debut what a, what against Swan. Before we go, we do need to make a really quick mention of there's going to be a new Sunday Cup, Sunday Amateur Cup uh, winner this year after North Perth crashed out 
losing on penalties to Jason Stern and his boys up there at Olympic Kingsway. Any thoughts or any words? Olympic are looking good there as well, aren't they? They're, 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 it's, it's incredible. Um, depending on how the draw goes, um, that they could be the, I mean, cup set. Is that the right word? I mean, to, to, to be the best, you've got to beat the best, right? Well, and they've done that, haven't they? And then they had to play North Perth. So, Ouch. Um, yeah, so they've done they've done fairly well to I shouldn't say that because I like a lot of the boys at North Perth to be fair and they have been pretty good but um yeah uh, Olympic I th- for me it's I think Olympic no I think I think they'd be a tough team to beat I mean the way that they played um they stifled us they created a bunch of chances we had some chances as well we almost had a chance to to win it in the last minute of extra time um and then you get to penalties and it becomes a lottery but there is a bit of a redemption story their keeper got sent off last year. Um, and then to oh, come yeah, back that, and to that score. wasn't a red card as well. To, to I what? don't think I, I. It was given as a handball outside the area. I don't think it ever touched his hand. I don't have the replay, but all I do know is there's a replay of me lifting the cup trophy. So, um, so yeah, a bit of a redemption story for the keeper there to come back and get three, um, to, to save three penalties. Cracking game, cracking atmosphere. Thanks for the hospitality, guys. Um, yeah, and good luck to them to the next round of the cup. Yeah, there's actually quite a lot of lower division teams still in the cup as well. I think we're down to round of 16. Round of now. 32. Is it round of 30? Ooh, I think the last one was 32. That was around no, yeah, yeah round, so round of 16 is coming up. And yeah, a fair few Premier League teams have, have all already been rolled out. We saw South Perth uh, Division 1 team make the final last year and have a really good run. And, and they're a really good team. Again, I'm not sure if they're still that, in that, the, the That Division 1 is a tough division. An absolutely tough division. Some good teams, isn't it? It, it is a good one. It's fun to referee too. It's a lot of a lot of good conversation out there. Yeah, I'll I'll, 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 I'll hopefully see you one day. Yeah, I'll stay away from you guys, mate. Robbie, any any other business, mate? Or any um, final words? No final words. I think. Oh, the only final words I would say is everyone keep a close eye on the state league Div One and Div Two. I think just like every yeah, just like the the NPL leagues, it is hotting up. And there's going to be some more interesting results coming our way over the next few weeks yeah. that will um, pick some things up, I think. Even sooner. So, yeah, it'll be good. Joshy, any final words? Uh, just just want to say I did deign to mention, when I did say lower league teams are still in the cup, Maccabi are still in there. Uh, might have a, a roll down We're there. We're talking only about serious contenders, mate. To- Tommy, any, any, any final words? Nothing. Wow. First time, huh? <laughs> oh, wow. Tommy is so exhausted. Fun, Tommy. Tell you what, you're all, you're all done, Tommy. Out. Casanova, any final words? No, nah, that's it for me. And the last word from me is happy birthday to Mr. Osunwa, who, uh, who has oh. his birthday on Wednesday. He won't listen to this podcast, but you all know that I wished my dad a happy birthday. And he's still one of the greats, even though he doesn't listen. All right, you all take <laughs> care, and we'll uh, see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye